You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Luke chapter 17 in your Bibles tonight. Uh, I'm not going to be funny, not that I ever am, except to look at me. Uh, see, I lied already. Uh, I'm not going to tell jokes, I'm not going to tell any funny story. Well, maybe, but uh, I want to help you tonight. I don't want to waste your time. God knows my heart. I don't want to just come in here and take up some time and preach a sermon and walk out of here and go do something and then go home tomorrow. I want to try to be a help to you. And I want you to get something from the message tonight that you can take with you. And I hope you understand that. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for our family, for all the kindness you've shown to us this weekend. It's always one of the highlights of our year to be able to come here. And uh, I mean that, like, like the guy says, I'm not preaching now, I'm telling the truth. And uh, I did it again. But um, we're honored that you'd let us come, and I mean that. Uh, you got one of the best pastors in the world. I just hear him preach as I had me. Well, almost. And, uh, and I'm, I'm serious when I say that. I love to hear him preach. And uh, thank you so much for, all, for the love offering, for the provisions, for the food. And uh, I, brother, I, I really thought $3,000 was a little much for the love offering. <laughs> but uh, we'll spend it. And I'm kidding, folks. <laughs> Relax. Relax. Okay, Luke chapter 17. I can't be honest. That's just the problem. One verse in Luke 17, then I'll refer to several verses that I won't have you turn to for time's sake, and uh, we'll be mindful of the time, which I can't see anyhow. You see I have these old men glasses on. Um, I was preaching at Fellowship for Brother Finley, and uh, I left my glasses at home. I wear contacts, but I can't see up close. Strong contacts. So his brother, Brother Ken, said, here, try these, and threw them up to me. I realized why he threw them. He got them on Amazon. Three pairs for nine dollars, and uh, they're just readers. But the neat thing is, they're tinted. Anybody see that? And I feel like I'm somebody with these things on. But uh, I have to put. I, I had another pair that I like to wear when I preach because they look a little more dignified. And I was preaching in West Virginia the other night, and I pulled them out to put them on, and they snapped right in half. So I just tossed them out to people. They started fighting for it for souvenirs. And, uh, but I'll have to wear these. You just look down when I put them on because they are ugly. Now, Luke chapter 17. But what else would Ken Finley buy but ugly? Anyhow, Luke 17, verse 1. Jesus said these words. Then said he to his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. Father, open our minds and our hearts. Get ourselves focused not on the word of God. It's been good to be here tonight. I'm, I'm blessed from the choir and the congregational singing and, and from the songs we sang. And, and Lord, it's, it's been good to be here. But Lord, we want to hear from you. We want you to teach us and help us tonight. So I ask you to be of self and fill me with the Holy Spirit. Forgive me of anything in my life that would hinder that. And I pray that for the next few minutes you give me the attention of everyone here and make this, this message profitable for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have noticed that people aren't perfect? And how many have noticed that God's people are not perfect? It's because you carry the label Christian doesn't mean you do the right thing all the time. The Bible says in verse 1 of Luke 17 that offenses are going to come 
Someone's going to say something to you, do something to you, mistreat you, cheat you, and you're going to be offended. A lot of people who are offended drop out of church and you never see them again. And that's a sad thing. That's a tragedy. Um, the Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 2, For in many things we offend all. I wonder how many times I've offended somebody. I don't know, and I would hate to have to count them. Because I dare say that many times, many more times than I want to admit, I've said something, done something that offended someone else. He goes on to say in James 3, we, In many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect or mature man, and able also to bridle the whole body. I want to suggest to you that most offenses come through words. Things we say. They may be callous words. Spiteful. Words that we're trying to lash out in anger perhaps at someone. They may be insensitive words. Have you ever said something and the moment you said it you wish you could reach out and take it and bring it back? Because you know immediately it hurts somebody. But here's my biggest problem. It may be sarcastic words. Sarcasm is something that is fun to dish out. It's fun to be the funny guy. Oh, I'm just kidding. But inside, someone goes home and carries with them a truth that maybe you don't see. But they may cry themselves to sleep, especially young people. Teenagers who are so sensitive about the way they look and about their appearance and about their abilities get very offended sometimes at our sarcasm. Look, I taught school for 35 years. I was a youth pastor for almost 20 years. I understand what it means to offend kids. I've said things to kid, kids and not meant anything by it, but immediately their shoulders drooped and their whole countenance changed. And I was convicted you said the wrong thing. More times than I want to think about, I've, I've been guilty of that. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 29, you know the verse probably, let no corrupt communication proceed out of the mouth, your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying or building up, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Here's a good test. Are my words building up people or tearing down people? Is this going to be received in the way it's intended, in the right way, to edify somebody. That's what we ought to be involved with. Trying to lift each other up. Especially in the house of God, among God's people, the family of God, we ought to be always doing our best to encourage and to lift and to, rather than trying to tear down. Well, administer grace. The word that offenses comes from in the New Testament comes from the Greek word skandalizo. You can probably figure out it's the word we get our word scandal from. And here's what the word scandalizo means. To trip, to snare, to cause displeasure, to give an occasion to fall, to stumble. It hinders our relationship with other people. Offensive words, scandalous words. Offenses are going to come. Jesus said that in Luke 17. But I'm afraid much of the problem lies with the person that's being offended. That doesn't give us an excuse to say what we want and say, well, they all learn, that. They all learn how to take that. Ah, no. oh, they'll get over it. No, 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 no. That's, that's our responsibility too. But most people are offended because they have an improper attitude toward what's being said. Yeah. 
We allow ourselves to be offended. Why? Well, I'm going to suggest five things to you quickly. Sounds like a lot, but it won't be. Five things that we often, often cause us to allow ourselves to be offended. Then I want to close by giving you three things that we often do to try to overcome it. Number one, this sounds like a lot. I promise I'll move quickly. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, verse 10, only by pride cometh contention. I'm going to suggest to you that the number one reason why we're offended is our own pride. Hurts our feelings. I haven't been treated properly. And by the way, all of us can look back to examples in our life where we feel like we were mistreated. Hadn't been fair. Teacher shouldn't have said that. I didn't do that. She blamed me. He blamed me for it. I told you I taught school 35 years. I've had my fill of being offensive to people and especially parents. <laughs> I was telling them at lunch today, I used to say, and, I, and I, it's kind of funny, I said, you know, school would be great if you could teach an orphanage Amen. with no parents. <laughs> I'm not a teacher now. I can say that and get away with it because I'm not going to go home to any kids in my class. Their parents are not going to be calling me. Pride. Romans 12, verse 3, For I say through the grace given to me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You know, we're just not sometimes as important as we think. We're not as good as we think. We're not as deserving of, of compliments as we think. Sometimes when people are critical with us, we deserve it. So stop being offended every time somebody, as we used to say, gets on your case. Now, if it's not deserving, let the judge of all deal with that. God knows. And God can, I'm saying this, can get even better than you can. Let God deal with it. Don't be offended easily. We could go on and on about how we've been mistreated. All of us have been. Let me give you a second uh, thing that causes us to be offended. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Oh, how about that? The little guy says, put that in your pipe and smoke it. I mean, that's, a big, that's a big statement right there. Here's the second thing. Misplaced dependence causes us to be offended. You say, what do you mean, Brother Tim? I mean, look, my peace, my acceptance, my joy, my satisfaction in life should come from God and His Word. I shouldn't expect that from you. If, you, if, you, if you're kind to me, thank God. If you're not kind to me, I'll let God handle it. I'm not going to try to get even. If I'm depending on you and vice versa, you're depending on me for your self-worth, neither one of us have any hope. I remember a great example of this was my pastor, Bobby Robertson. Brother Bobby pastored gospel life for over 60 years. You trying to break that record? Okay, over 60 years. I was a little boy when, when I started going to gospel life. In fact, it's the only church I ever remember going to. And uh, he was close friends with an old evangelist named Lester Roloff. Anybody remember Brother Roloff? I got to pick Brother Roloff at the airport one time. I won't even tell that story. That's another one altogether. But Brother Roloff had a standing invitation to come to gospel life. He was a unique individual. Would you agree? And uh, I, I heard him preach at Highland Park Baptist Church at Tennessee Temple in chapel one day. And Dr. Robertson had a, had a, had a lamp that came up and came over. And it was like this. And Lester, Brother Lester was preaching. And he hit that thing. And it just went around and around. He just took, started playing with it. 
he finally took it and did that and said, it's about time you had a man in this pulpit. <laughs> and the whole place went, <gasps> Dr. Robertson. And uh, Brother Bobby said he was riding with Brother Olaf in a car one time. And Brother Bobby, if you knew him, you would never think this unless you knew him well. He was a cut up. He could joke around and take it with the best of them. He could hand it out pretty good too. And Brother Bobby was riding with Brother Olaf. Brother Bobby was driving and Brother Bobby just said something. And Brother Roloff got quiet. And Brother Bobby thought to himself, I've offended that man. And, and he said, he said, Brother Roloff, he said, I'm, I want to apologize. I'm sorry. You know, I would never hurt you for anything in the world. Would you forgive me? By the way, that's a good Christian. <laughs> and uh, Brother Roloff said, Bobby, you can't hurt me. I'm supposed to be dead. You can't hurt a dead man. That's the right way to respond. Misplaced dependence. It's not on what you think of me or how you treat me. It's on what does God think of me and how he treats me and how I treat him. Here's another reason why we get sometimes offended. It's a lack of control. Proverbs 25 verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Sometimes we just get out of control. You ever done that? Mom, you say, son, don't put your mouth in gear before you put your brain in motion. Or another way around, put your mouth in motion before you put your brain in gear. In other words, think before you speak. Amen. I have a bad time. I, I, I have a hard time. Some, if it's in my brain, it's usually out the mouth. Have you noticed that? Well, thank you, honey. I heard that. Amen. Finally, from you. If it comes through, it, it goes, I have, a, I have one daughter that's like me. It's not this one. The other one's just like me. That's why she's not traveling with us anymore. But um, lack of control. Keep your spirit under control. Now, you don't go around day, every, every day looking, okay, who's going to offend me today? And how am I going to respond? No, no, just respond. Have a practice of responding correctly. I'll talk about that in just a minute. Sometimes lack of control gets us in trouble. Here's another one, number four. And boy, this is a big one. We pick up somebody else's offenses. Bible says in, in Proverbs 26, verse 17, He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. You don't want to do that. Years ago, I worked at camp. We had a, years ago, we had a, 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 a chocolate lab named Buckshot. Buckshot was a huge dog. I mean, it was one of those large uh, retrievers that... that uh, uh, his paws were as big as my fist. He had a head about this size. Well, not, well, you know. He looked like a bear. Looked like a bear. And Buckshot had this, had this habit. If you would whisper, watch, 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 he would, just like that. And it was, it was the funniest thing to see a big dog like that. And so the counselor would come in, usually on Monday morning, and Buckshot would be there, and I'd say, hey, guys, watch this. And they'd laugh, and I'd have a good time. Finally, Buckshot had enough of that. We were in our snack shop one night. I said, hey, guys, come here. They leaned over the counter. I said, watch this. I went, shh, shh, shh. Let me get my story right. And Buckshot didn't, didn't, he went, ha. I felt his top teeth there, his bottom teeth here. Now, he didn't chomp down. He went, ha. I got the hint. I did not get offended. 
I said, I will not do that again to Buckshot. And I never did. And uh, look, don't take up somebody else's problems. I have no idea what that has to do with this point, but it sure, it sure sounded good. Oh, but grabbing a dog by the ears. There you go. Be careful. Dogs will get you in trouble. Grab them by the ears. Don't tell them what they'll do. Don't, don't get involved. Look, when you start listening to somebody and taking sides in the issue, you're not going to get the story right. That brings me to the last one. I'll put all these together. You have a lack of information. Sometimes causes you to be offended. The Bible says again, he that answereth a matter before he heareth it is folly and shame unto him. So make sure you got the whole story. You know there are three sides to every story. Your side, their side, and the truth. And sometimes the truth is somewhere in the middle. doesn't hardly look like either side. Now that's why we get offended. We're, it's pride, and that's the main one. Misplaced dependence, lack of control, picking up someone else's offenses, or lack of information. Now, in closing, <laughs> but don't get excited when I say that. In closing... And this is the message. How to respond to offenses. What do you do when you are offended? Jesus said, Luke 17, it's going to come. It may, have, it may have already come today. It may come as soon as you get to work in the morning. It may come sometime this week. How do you respond to offenses? I'm going to give you two ways you shouldn't respond and one way that you ought to. Number one, most people, this is the number one thing we do when we're offended. We do nothing. Sit soaking sour. There are church members, perhaps, that are not here tonight. Someone said something. You didn't mean anything by it. But they're not here because their, their feelings were hurt and they didn't deal with it as they should. And they're not here tonight. By the way, could I encourage you? If you know anybody like that, go get them. Look at them through the eyes of grace and realize that that could be you, but the grace of God. Do nothing, you let it rot inside of you. That's the most popular choice. I think many of us like to have pity parties, don't we? We like to just sit and soak on our problems. Nobody has it bad as me. I think I'll go eat a worm. You know, life's terrible. And by the way, we got a lot of things in, in this world that we could complain about and we could... Uh, feel sorry for ourselves about, but let's don't let's don't get offended and let it ruin us. Don't don't sit and soak in it. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter twelve, follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Watch this, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. See, here's what happens: you let that offense go undealt with. And now you can't look at that person when you see them with a good spirit. In fact, you see them in church over here. You walk across and sit over here because you don't want to be around them. That's doing nothing about it. I, I, here again, nobody's told me anything. I may be way off base, but I, I, I would dare say in a, in a room this size with this many people, somebody sitting here has been offended by somebody sitting here. Would you give, number one, give them the benefit of the doubt and don't hold it against them, but won't you go to them? I'll get to that in a second. Don't let bitterness spring up. Once a root gets started, you got to dig up the whole tree to get rid of the root. You don't just cut it off. It's, it's still there. 
It's hard to get rid of roots. Your bitterness affects many, not just you. It'll destroy your relationships. You become suspicious of everybody. You can't look them in the eye. And guess who wins? The devil. He loves nothing more than to split up churches, split up husbands and wives, children with their parents. And when you are offended, deal with it. Don't just let it pass. That's what most people do. They do nothing. Secondly, how to respond to offenses. A lot of people, and this one runs a close second, a lot of people get even. Exodus 21, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. You, you take that verse out of context, I'm going to do to you as you've done to me. You offend me, I'm going to get back at you. Here's my question. How do you get back enough? Where do you draw the line? Well, he offended me, I'm going to get back with him six times, and then we're going to call it even. Now, it probably won't work that way, will it? He'll probably come back at you on the other side. You try to get even. Romans 12. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. He goes on to say, vengeance is mine. I'll repay, saith the Lord. That's what I said a while ago. Let God deal with it. Just let God handle it. Here's the way you ought to respond to offenses. Real simple. I put it down in my notes. Just respond biblically. Luke chapter 17. I could read on. It's in these same verses I read a while ago. Down to verse 3, 4, and 5. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Now that sounds nasty. Rebuke I'm going to rebuke. No, that's not what it means. Confront him. Rebuke him. If he repent, next two words, forgive him. Well, that's easy to preach, isn't it? Hard to practice. If you trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. <laughs> and then the apostles responded in verse 5. They said, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> That's hard to do. A guy offends you. A girl offends you. A lady, somebody on the job. Your boss, your wife. What do you do? You know, that hurt my feelings. I know I shouldn't have responded the way I did. But I just want you to know that I don't feel that way towards you like you must think I do. If they say, well, I'm sorry. I never intended that. Deal with it. Walk away from it. And get over it. Don't get bitter. Don't get angry. It's easy to understand, difficult to practice. You've got to make yourself vulnerable when you do that. None of us like that. We don't want to be vulnerable. I've been hurt by you. We all love playing the martyr. We got a little crowd together. Did you hear what she said to me the other day in bar practice? And next thing you know, you got a, you got a team on your side, and they have a team on their side. And we got contention and strife and can lead a division. Your offended spirit will not disappear until you take biblical steps to resolve the problem. Maybe the offended person has no idea they offended you. Don't always think that people are malicious and evil. Well, I know they did it on purpose. 
No, you don't. Give the benefit of the doubt to somebody. I, you know, my mom was like that. She, somebody said something to her one time. She said, and she said something to me about it. I said, well, Mom, what? what she said, I know they didn't mean it. They would never say that if they were thinking. Just assume that and deal with it. But there is a principle here about going to them, and I'm not going to get into that principle right now. I don't have time. But if you're ready for truth-telling, you've got to be ready for truth-hearing. You've got to be ready to take, take the medicine. One story and I'm done. Back in World War II, the Germans had taken over most of Europe and was persecuting the Jews and all those who befriended the Jews. There was a, a lady, you all have heard her name, Cory Ten Boom, who was taken captive. Her and her sister Betty, Betsy, taken captive by the Germans and taken to that horrible place called Auschwitz. There, it, it was the most hideous of, of, of German camps, I guess you could imagine, where the women went. They slept in conditions that were unfit, fleas and bugs and, 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 and all that, and they were packed in like sardines in these places. They were forced to take showers in front of the guards and strip down and, and bathe in front of these men who would point and say horrible things to them. While she was there, Betsy died of the treatment. Cory Ten Boom came through it. And most of you know, if you've seen any of her books, she lived to write about it and tell about it. She was speaking in Eastern Europe after the war, after she had been liberated and after she was free and she was speaking about some of the horrors of being at the concentration camp Auschwitz. She was talking about all that happened, about her sister and about all the inhum inhuman treatment she had. The service or the meeting is over. The crowd's leaving. They're going out the back. She looks up and she sees a man coming forward. A man in a long overcoat. And she sees him coming and thought, that's odd. Everybody's going that way. He's coming this way. He may want to speak to me. And she looked further, and she recognized him as one of her guards at Auschwitz. In fact, the guard that Googled over her and her sister as they would shower, he walked up, and she's thinking to herself, oh, no, what am I going to do? She's fearful. She's trembling now. That, that man had violated her. Her sister died there. He walks up on the platform. He comes straight toward her. He says, Miss Ten Boom, I listened to your speech tonight. I want you to know that I was a prison guard at Auschwitz. She's in her mind thinking, oh, I know that. I'll never forget that face. He said to her, since the war, I've been saved by the blood of Jesus. And ma'am, will you forgive me? What would you do? What if somebody in this church that you've had it against for a long time, for something they did years ago, you won't let it go. What if they came up to you tonight and said, hey, look, I'm sorry. I know we've been at odds. Would you forgive me? What would you say? It's, oh, yeah, I forgive you, but would you really mean it? 
She said, at that moment, everything, every fiber of my body wanted to scream, No! You abused me. My sister died under your care. No, I can't forgive you. She'd been offended. And probably more than we can even understand. That's what she wanted to say. She stood there for a long time. He stood there with his hand out. His lip trembling. Because he knew the, the pain he was causing. Finally, Corey Ten Boom set up a cloud, a, 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 a breeze of the love of Jesus came over her. She saw him through eyes of grace. And suddenly she said, I forgive you. And she reached out and took his hand. And they shook hands and embraced. Corey Ten Boom in her book said, at that moment, it was like wind sweeping over me. All that anger was gone. You see, that's what some of you could understand and enjoy tonight, if you would. If you'd be willing to forgive that person, and they might even be here, forgive that person that's offended you with their speech, their words, calloused, insensitive, sarcastic. Maybe you mistook it, but it's, it's, it's built up in you. Why don't you forgive them? One day I came to Jesus with a debt that I could never pay back. He forgave me. And He did you. You couldn't live enough lives to pay for your sin debt. That debt put Jesus on the cross. Have you ever thought about that fact? My sin put Him there. My sin. Not the sin of the drunkard or the prostitute or the, or, or, or the bootlegger or, or, or the drug addict. No. The church kid's sin put Him there. The kid that was raised in Gospel Light Baptist Church. My sin put Jesus on the cross. I'm guilty. And so are you. And I came to an altar one day and I said, God, would you be merciful to me, a sinner? He never thought twice. He forgave me. And my life's never been the same. Someone said, how much does Jesus love you? He loves you this much. Amen. Now, if He did that for you, what has someone done to you that is greater than what you did to Christ? Nothing. So let's deal with our offenses. They're going to come. People are going to say things. Whether they mean them or not, we don't know. Even without them asking, why don't you forgive them? Just forgive them. The disciples said, Lord, do I forgive seven times? That's what the law said. Jesus said, no. You forgive 70 times seven. I don't mean to count to 490 and then mark them off. The idea is you just keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on forgiving. There's no limit, no end to the forgiveness of God. And there shouldn't be an end to the forgiveness that you have for other people. Offenses are going to come. How do you respond to them? Let's bow our heads and pray tonight. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let me ask you a couple of questions. We're not going to be long now.
If you're here and you'd say, Brother Tim, I don't know that I'm saved. And I, I have to ask that. You say, Brother Tim, come on. On a Sunday night, we're all saved. Well, you know, I probably think you are, but you might not be somebody, maybe a young person, maybe an older person who's tried to convince yourself all these years that you're really saved, but you're not really sure. You're 100%, not 100% sure you're saved, but you're 100% sure you don't want to die and go to hell. Could I pray for you? I don't know you. I wouldn't call your name if I did. Could I be your friend? I'm not saved, Brother Tim, or I'm not sure I'm saved. Pray for me. Lift your hand up, let me see it. And I, when I see it, you can take it down. And we'll pray together. I don't see a hand. Let me ask one more question. How many are here? You say, Brother Tim, something, I don't look at anybody in the building right now. Somebody in, somebody in this church, I'll say that. They may not even be here has done something to offend me and I haven't dealt with it right. I let it build up inside of me. Would you pray for me? Let me pray for you. Would you lift your hand? I'm not going to assume the worst of you. Hands all over. Thank you. You can take them down. You know, it could be that you know you've offended someone. The only way you're going to deal with that is to go to them and ask for forgiveness. See, if you ask for forgiveness and they refuse, that's all you can do. But would you have a forgiving heart and forgive those that have offended you, whether they ask for it or not? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.